Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Crap is regarding as mild, a mild swear word. And there are other words on this list that I look at and say, I didn't even know a word like cow would even be regarded as a swear word anywhere in the world. But, uh, you know, I've got this this dilemma right now. I've got the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder and the devil saying read some of these words, but I I prefer to remain employed. So the, the, uh, the angel wins again. Damn it. <laughs> Very well done. Very well done. Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Uh, I, I, Why I do I got to be the devil? Why do I got to yeah. be the devil? Peter King's an angel? I mean, come on. That's crazy. <laughs> well, when it comes to using swear words on the air and the temptation for me to do so, your track record cements you in that position as the devil. Now, it's not like Peter is angelic in his language. He's the one who said nut up last week. So, uh, sorry. And now you said it. Every time I think of that phrase, I'm thinking, my God, I hope in the UK and in Ireland it isn't like over the top like a few other words that you have let slip out from time to time on the air in the UK and in Ireland. But anyway, that was very well done. Uh, Any above and beyond the call graphic type stuff, given that we have a very short staff right now. And I don't mean literally short like me. I mean, figuratively short, like no one's there. Uh, It's good. And it's impressive. And uh, off we go with a Thursday PFT live for Chris. It's Friday because he doesn't work on Fridays, but really for all of us, it's just the same damn day over and over and over again. The question is, what do we do when we get out of bed? And I didn't mention this yet. On Tuesday, Chris, you almost were solo because I woke up when my alarm went off at 6 a.m. And I thought, why in the hell did I set my alarm to go off on a Saturday morning? 
I turned it off <laughs> and I went back to bed. And in that 30 to 45 seconds or however long it takes to fall back to sleep, for me, I can get back to sleep quickly. I, I had that. Oh, uh, wait, wait. It's not Saturday. It's Tuesday. Because uh, I, I have a backup plan now. I didn't have a backup plan then. I, I just would have slept until 8, 30, 9 o'clock. Casey's, Matt Casey's supposed to call me or text me if uh, if I don't check in by 6.30. Do you have a backup plan? Okay. No, I do not. I do not. But I'm like the opposite. Even on like Friday and Saturday, I'll wake up going, oh, wait, do I have the show? You know, I so I it, I get like that pleasant surprise where it's like, oh, no, no show today. That's great. I don't have to worry about getting up quite yet. It's, it's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you yeah, enjoyed yeah, yeah. the show. I thought you enjoyed I do like it. The like show. you're happy? I do. Okay. I, no, I based like on what you just too. said, sleeping's I'm not so good. sure you do. I mean, okay, sleeping's good. I like that too. All right. So, but I'm excited. And hey, I love working with you. You know that. Uh, I like my Fridays off too, though. I do like that. Let me just say this. In the interest of avoiding a potential jinx now that we have broached this topic, I would suggest a backup plan. I'm happy to text you at 6.30 in the morning to make sure you're up if you want me to. Although, I don't know how long it takes you to do your pre-show primping. Maybe you need to be texted at 5.30 a.m., not 6.30 a.m. No, I don't. I'm, I'm wake, uh, I wake up at about 5.45 a.m. now that I don't have to drive over to Stanford, Connecticut and, and be in the studio. So I got a few extra minutes to sleep. But, no, I'm a light sleeper. I don't need you, and I certainly don't need extra text messages coming in in the morning that are very annoying already to start the day as is anyways. So I don't need any more. And you know what, <laughs> you know what this means. Do you have any concept of what this means? This means on Monday you are going to blow right through your alarm. You're going to sleep till 9 o'clock, and uh, you're going to wonder what the hell happened. You've, you have tempted fate. All right. Uh, and there there gonna, is definitely – there's definitely a chance, you know, especially on a Monday, because, you know, weekend, I have a lot of fun and I follow this program of, uh, you know, detox to retox on the weekends is really what I do. Yeah. You like that one? You know what that means? I have a feeling I know what it means just because I've known you for three years now. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I, you know, I have a good day with the kids and then I get a hard workout in and I actually got a, a, a infrared sauna in the house here. So after my workout, I sit in there and detox so then when 5 30 comes around you know six o'clock i can retox and do it all over again the next day all right well i'm glad that it actually has a name for it and i'll be even more aware of what you're doing on the days when you're not working and apparently happily <laughs> not working all right tom brady is happily working in tampa bay with the buccaneers now obviously it's a strange kind of year no off-season program we're getting closer and closer i believe to the inevitable declaration that there will be no off-season programs for any teams this year everything being done in virtual fashion, guys working out on their own. And Tom Brady needs to learn a new offense. Clyde Christensen, the Buccaneers quarterbacks coach, said recently, I think what we'll see here in Tampa is Bruce Arians' offense with a Tom Brady influence. Bruce wants to keep the offense the same. Tom has been terrific as far as saying, just tell me what you want to do. And honestly, there's a lot of carryover from all these offenses. It's just what you call certain things. We're looking forward to seeing how he can influence the offense. And this is what we expect. You know, there was a theory making the rounds as Tom Brady's free agency approached that he was going to be like Peyton Manning and want to go somewhere where basically he walks through the door and says, here's right. how we're going to run the offense. And that's never the way Brady's been. 
Brady's a product of the Patriot way. Do your job. Tell me what my job is, and I'll do it better than anyone. But it's not for me to figure out my job. It's for you to tell me what my job is. Yeah, that's right. That That's the culture he was raised in. I mean, so he, he doesn't know that Peyton Manning way of, you know, adding influence on a daily basis. And again, again, Tom Brady could do that. He certainly can. He's got enough knowledge and, and terminology and different concepts in his brain uh, to, to be to be that type of quarterback. But yeah, ultimately, we know Bruce Arians, he, he thinks his offense is special, and it is. It's one of the more creative, aggressive offenses in football over the last 10 years. I mean, the results speak for themselves. And, you know, you add that, Mike, and, and we know the no risk it, no biscuit, push the ball down the field, aggressive nature, along and accompany, accompany it with, you know, Ed, uh, the, the Edelman, Wes Welker type plays that Brady ran in New England, let alone a few other things that I'm sure they'll do, like we, we talked about yesterday or the day before with Gronkowski, to where I do think you'll see a nice blend. I still think the meat and potatoes of the offense is going to be Bruce Arians, but you're definitely going to see some of those plays that, hey, Brady feels comfortable in them. Brady knows these type of plays better than Bruce Arians and, and Byron Leftwich. He could teach them uh, a little nuances about the plays. And they're great ways to get easy completions. And you know Brady really knows how to execute those type of plays because he's mastered them for years and years. Yeah, I think Bruce Arians has also suggested at some point since Tom Brady joined the team that he realizes Tom Brady recognizes by looking at the defense what's going to be there, what's not going to be there. And even though Arians wants the ball to be pushed down the field, he will defer to Tom Brady's judgment that in a certain play, in a certain circumstance, the best thing to do is to fire off the short pass. But, you know, who is going to be that Edelman Welker in this offense, we talk about all the weapons, and you've got Chris Goblin and Mike Evans on the outside. You got the tight ends and OJ Howard and Cameron Brayton. Now Rob Gronkowski's there. Who's going to be the Edelman for Tom Brady, Chris? Well, I think if you look at Chris Godwin, first off, I would say that's the guy more more than likely that's going to pull that off, right? Uh, you got Gronkowski running down the middle of the field, Mike Evans running something deeper or at least deeper down the field than a guy like Chris Godwin. And Godwin, you know, a very good route runner, uh, when catches the ball, can get right upfield and make things happen. So I, I would expect him to be target number one as far as that is concerned or that role is concerned. Uh, I, I think he's the guy, Mike. I do. I don't know him. I'm just sitting here, too, looking at the rest of the roster just to make sure if there's any other names I've missed that I think fit that cr criteria. But I think ultimately it is going to be Chris Godwin. And, you know, the big thing, too, is with their offense, you know, the way it looks right now, it does seem like they're going to be in a lot of two, two tight end type sets, which would leave two receivers on the field, one running back, whatever that may be. So uh, I think when you just have that set of personnel in there, you know, I, I think it's Godwin all the way to fill that role. And Godwin, by the way, second among all receivers in slot receiver yards. So there you go. Year. But but then again, then again, we can't rule out that a month or so from now, once Julian Edelman is a member of the Buccaneers, we'll hear him say, I've had the Buccaneers playbook for the last month, like Rob Gronkowski jokingly did a couple of weeks back. But either way, they'll get it figured out with Tom Brady having someone who becomes that security blanket 
when he looks at the defense, and he said this three years ago, he's got three more football seasons of experience beyond the point where he said in the aftermath of Super Bowl 51, there's nothing you can show me I haven't already seen. I know what you're going to do. I look at the defense. I know what I see, and I know what's going to be there. And yes. uh, whether it's Godwin or anyone else on any given play, he's going to know. And, you know, the problem, though, is, Chris, without having these guys working directly together, you don't develop that that body language, the hand signals, Definitely. The, the look, you know, the demeanor. I mean, all the little clues that become sure. uh, a, an unspoken language as to what the quarterback wants the receiver to do. Yeah, no, I, th- that's that's gone by the wayside for now. And you're not, yes, that's going to be something that quarterbacks and receivers are going to have to work really hard at once they do get in training camp, whenever that is, to spend extra time after practice working on, you know, conversating. And th- that's going to be a big thing for Tom Brady here. You know, one, you know, you talk about, hey, his mastery of knowing where the ball goes and all that stuff. One of the great things, and this is another thing I think Brady will infuse in this offense, once he especially gets the terminology down and really learns how to speak the language of Bruce Arians' offense and do all of that. But the other thing, Mike, when you talk about his ability to know where he wants to go with the ball before the snap, uh, you know, where the ball is snapped, is in New England, this is one of the great things about their offense, too. You know, not a ton of check-with-me type plays in New England. They got all-purpose plays. Well, all-purpose plays. And what I mean by that is so many offenses in football go, hey, if there's two deep safeties, we want you to play this concept on the left side. If there's one deep safety, we want you to play the concept on the right side, right? So there's kind of like, hey, this works against two deep-type coverages, and this one works against one deep-type coverages. Well, in New England, and this was something I learned playing for Josh McDaniels that I was amazed at, you know, they game plan and they're so creative – that they have plays that what they say are all purpose, where Brady can get up there and just go, Omaha, blue, go. And they know the play that they've designed for the week is going to work against all coverages, and they don't want their quarterback to be fooled by, ooh, is it one safety? Is it two safety? Oh, wait, it was a late rotation, and they tricked me. And they will go, no, Tom, no matter what the coverage is, we want you to look to the left at the X receiver, and you give him his time to get open, even if you know the coverage isn't meant for him. And then they're going to have, he's going to go across the board, across the field with receivers coming into his vision as he goes across the field, where that is another element that I think is going to be very effective in the Bruce Arians offense. And Brady's going to try to get that implemented because he knows, like you're saying, Mike, you give me some of those plays that I had in New England that were all purpose. I'm going to get up there, Bruce Arians, and make the right decision every time, I promise you. And, you know, I I think Bruce is going to like that. And one of the keys is going to be, as we were saying, working together with his new teammates. And none of us have ruled out, and I think we all suspect that at some point they will get together somewhere, especially now as we see, right or wrong, the restrictions loosening in many states, a trip to Montana with all of the various pass catchers getting together with Tom Brady at his place up there and spending plenty of time 
figuring out how to connect, how to communicate non-verbally on the football field and what each guy likes, what he doesn't like, how he catches the ball, how Tom Brady throws the ball, because they have to adjust too. Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Cameron, Brait, Chris Godwin, they're used to catching passes from Jameis Winston. They have to adjust to Tom Brady. That's all part of the process. One big part yeah. of the process, especially, Chris, to the extent that it's going to be the Bruce Arians offense with the Tom Brady influence, Brady's got to learn the offense. And we hear all the time about a guy going to a new team and having to learn a new terminology. You've been there. You've done that. You played for several different teams. Walk us through how you go about actually sitting down with a playbook, studying and learning the new terminology that comes with playing for a new team in a new offense. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, and, and I think this is, you know, a little bit into what you said, where I would think Tom Brady at some point here, when he starts to learn the language, will get some of those receivers and tight ends that you talked about in some Zoom meetings to where he could start talking about little nuances that he could talk the language. But the, 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 this is the best way you could do it. You know, the one the, the, you've got to speak it, right? So if I was at home by myself, I would sit there and I would – look at a play and then act like, okay, let me talk it out and say it in the huddle. Like I'm saying it to the, to the team and in the huddle and going through West, right slot, 72 Z bingo, you split dummy snap count on one. You know, that is really the best way to do it. Let alone. Okay. Then get a list of plays right without the drawings and see if you can draw the actual play or, or, or do the opposite. You have the play. Now can you write it in the language of which Bruce Arias offense is? So, you have to toy around with all of those things. But to me, the best way to learn was to be in the building, having being in the quarterback room. You know, maybe Tom Brady's doing that with Byron Leftwich. I don't know. It seems like there might be might be going on to where he's coaching them and he's telling them certain things. And then, hey, Tom, say it back to me. All right. Say the play again. OK, hey, let's go out in the backyard and do the mechanics of the play. And you could set the motion and you could say it, break the huddle, now do the snap count, okay, and go through all those mechanics. That is the best way to ease your mind and really get to a spot to where you feel comfortable and you know what you're talking about with the little details uh, that are, you know, in, in an offense. So should we expect to see at some point over the next few months a video of a Buccaneers coach and a Buccaneers quarterback having a conversation where the coach is haranguing the quarterback about not being able to get the play call out. I think I've seen that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you have seen that. Uh, but the Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich offense is not as wordy as Gruden, and Brady's much smarter than me, so I don't think he'll have those issues. But that, that What's is the, the play? The, What's, give, me, give, me again, give me the play you were trying to bark out that Gruden kept giving you a hard time about. What was it? Oh, it was uh, scatter to east, right, F left, 372, Y stick, Z spot on one. I believe that was it. You know, that was just one of the many. I think I messed up like three or four uh, that day, too. You know, we had <laughs> there, fa it we, <laughs> there it is. We had Falcon right, shift to weak right, tight, Y right, H3, X bingo, Y smash, dummy snap count on one. I mean, it was a laundry list of plays every year. You know, you just heard me say West right slot, 72 Z bingo, U split, dummy snap count, Z counter orbit, Apple it with 314 hammer uh, on one. I mean, it, it, you, as you can see, there's a lot to learn there and a lot to say and everything has meaning and you got to speak it clearly because an offensive line, they're listening for their little particular part of the play. The running backs listening to their little particular part of the play. And then, of course, the receivers and the quarterback's the only guy that's got to know just 
all of it encompassing. And uh, it's very important to communicate clearly. I think back to Hard Knocks last year where there were scenes involving John Gruden, now the Raiders coach, essentially begging his quarterbacks to be badasses, to be guys who take charge, to have that personality where you're the sheriff and anyone who gets in your way is going to pay for it. I almost feel like when I see that that image again, and I remember what it sounded like where Gruden's giving you a hard time. I almost feel like at some level he was hoping you were going to pick him up and stuff him into a trash can. Do you think that's part of what he was trying to get to come out of you? I think there was a little bit of that, yeah. I think he was making sure that I wasn't over there, you know, just falling asleep on the rest of the offense because I had my little group of plays I had to worry about every day as a rookie quarterback. So he was keeping me on my toes that way. And, yeah, I think he was making me tougher. You know, we've talked about it a lot where – you know, whether he was yelling at me behind behind the huddle and telling me to hurry up, spit the play out, 10, 9, yelling all these crazy things. Uh, or, you know, or just the fact of him making me practice yelling in the meeting room. That's what he wants. He wants a guy that's going to take control. And if things aren't going well at practice, he, you know, he expects the quarterback to take control of that issue and set everybody straight. And, I, and in my experience, that's the one thing Tampa's in a, in a rude awakening for. You know, I've seen Brady at practice. Brady is a perfectionist. He is going to expect everybody else to be on that level. And he will not be afraid of not making friends on the first few days of training camp or whatever that may be. If he's got to yell at some offensive linemen or some tight ends or whatever it may be. Sounds like someone we've heard and seen a lot about in recent weeks on The Last Dance right. and Michael Jordan demanding those around him to reach a higher level or get the hell out. We need to get the hell out for a couple of minutes. And on the topic of getting acclimated to new offense, Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback, is virtually learning the Jason Garrett playbook and virtually practicing ball security. We'll discuss that next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Daniel Jones, Giants quarterback, a rookie last year, led the league in fumbles. That's not, you want to lead the league in good things, not bad things. Fumbles, newsflash, not a good thing. Interceptions tied for 11th with 12th. He spoke with reporters in virtual fashion on Wednesday, and he spoke about his efforts to improve ball security in 2020. Here he is. I think the biggest thing is, is ball security and, and um, you know, particularly in the pocket protecting the ball um so you know i think that's a that's a fundamental skill at the quarterback position that's something that's um you know crucial but but also to me a fairly simple um fix and that it's a, a mindfulness a certain um you know be, being intentional to to securing the ball to having two hands on it to you know when you're moving when you're having to adjust in the pocket you're you're maintaining that uh security so um, I'm just trying to trying to emphasize that doing different drills um, and making sure that that I'm you know always cognizant of that and, and being uh, very intentional in in that. You know, Chris. Anytime I think of a giant and ball security, I think of Tiki Barber when Tom Coughlin taught him how to hold the ball high and tight and how it cured his chronic fumbling issues. Obviously, that's not something a quarterback can do. It's hard to throw the ball quickly if you're cradling the ball <laughs> like bit. Tiki Barber used to. <laughs> yeah, but what can you do? I, I, you, yeah, look, it, it's the disconnect between all the stuff that a guy can say 
You're out there in the fray. You're being chased around by very large men with hostile intentions. It's not like you can say, oh, I got to remember to protect the ball. It's chaos at that point. What can you really do to improve your ball security in the pocket to avoid fumbling it when you get hit by one of these guys who is larger and stronger and faster than you? Well, one, you know, one, hey, first, the game will slow down for Daniel Jones, right? We hear that phrase all the time. And what I mean by that is, you know, Daniel Jones, first off, the fumbling, and we talked about this the other day a little bit. It's not, it, hey, listen, it's not a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But it's not something I look at and go, oh, man, Daniel Jones has a problem, and I'm worried he'll never be able to fix this. No. Look at some of these plays. Really, when you look at a lot of his fumbles, you're going to go, man, he's just so fearless in the pocket, and he just stands in there. Look at him. People around him, and he just doesn't care to where – He'll have a better feel for the offense and the speed of the game and the clock in his head in year two. Now, as far as the drills are concerned, Mike, there's definitely things you can do. And you're right. It's hard to emulate, you know, 6'6", 320-pound guys trying to rip your head off. But, you know, the thing you do, hey, there's drop back, shuffle through cones, make sure you got two hands on the ball. Drop back, move around the pocket. And you'd like to have somebody there, other quarterbacks, quarterback coach, you know, have the little blocking dummies. And you hit at the quarterback's wrist and arms as he's sitting in the pocket and going through reads just so he's always feeling it and maybe moving it and dipping it a little bit just to keep it out of the way of hands reach. Now, that's hard to do in practice right now. And I don't know if Daniel Jones, I don't think he's married. If he's got a girlfriend at home. That might be something I would ask her to do. Listen, I ask my wife to do that type of stuff all the time, uh, especially when I was recovering from my splenectomy. So, but there is things you could do. And of course, talking about it and, and showing old footage of it and all of those things are also a, a big part of the learning process. Yeah, and I, I also think that, that it, it, it's just part of the overall understanding of how you – and your body, your arms, the football, how all of that fits with what's going on around you. And it's just Definitely. a simple, I think, acceleration of the clock. Like when we see Chandler Jones hit Daniel Jones as he's trying to get rid of the football, well, you got to make your decision a little fast. You have to anticipate That's the right. clock collapsing around you. So you got to get rid of the ball before you're in your motion. I mean, it, it's hard to fault a guy for having bad ball security when he's in his throwing motion and his arm gets hit because – the ball's as exposed as it's ever going to be. You just got to get rid of it faster. You have to anticipate that, and you got to make your decision, and you have to move it faster. And as you say, when the game slows down, it's going to be easier for him to realize when that clock expires. It doesn't expire when they cave in the side of your knee and tear your ACL. It expires when they're close enough to hit your arm and knock the ball out. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, again, you don't want to be the, the statute of liberty in the pocket either. You know, and that's one thing because Daniel Jones is so smart and he's such an accurate thrower of the football. I mean, he really is. I mean, he is pinpoint. He can throw lasers with perfect spirals. You know, he wants to rely on that strength of his game, and I understand that. But he's a very good athlete, too, and he is capable. We saw him last year ripping off 20 and 25-yard type runs to where, hey, use that to your advantage, too. And there's a skill set. You know, Mike, once you learn to play position in football a little bit, as great as Tom Brady is in the pocket, you know, he's got a great way of being able to, one, still look down the field like an Aaron Rodgers, 
but yet still feel the pass rush. And there's there's that's part of slowing the game down too. You're sitting in the pocket and you're looking down, but every now and then you just kind of give a quick peek around to, wait, am I okay? Is somebody going to hit me, make me fumble? Okay, let me get my eyes back up. You know, the really good ones can kind of see both at the same time. And I think Daniel Jones is going to have those capabilities. But I like the fact that he was so tough in the pocket last year. I think it's a positive. I really do. He's not a guy that's seeing ghosts or scared or anything like that. I think this is a fixable problem. Well, and it's a problem that definitely needs to be fixed, Chris. To put it in perspective, 18 fumbles by Daniel Jones was the most for a season by a quarterback since 2002. My guess is it probably was Dante Culpepper, who was a notorious fumbler because even though he was a giant, his hands were tiny. But Jones had his 18 fumbles in 12 games, not 16 games. That's one and a half fumbles per game. And 11 of the 12 fumbles were lost. You're not going to win many games if your quarterback is turning the ball over one and a half times per game just by putting it on the ground, Chris. No, you're not. But, you know, let's not forget that offensive line was nothing to write home about, right? You know, it was some new receivers out there. And Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard was hurt a little bit. You know, Darius Slayton might have been the best re- best receiver they had on the team last year. You know, you had no running game to rely on. They put a lot on Daniel Jones's shoulders in the 12 games he had to play last year. You know, I, I, I think I made fun of it the other day. I mean, as a rookie, from his first start down in Tampa, they were basically like, hey, Daniel, we can't run the ball that great. We can't pass protect that great. We're going to need you to throw the ball 40 times and throw three touchdowns to win a football game. And that's a lot to ask of a rookie. Uh, but but he had some moments last year where, you know, you'd be crazy not to sit there and go, man, this guy's got something special about him. And I I think he's a big reason why, you know, Josh McDaniels wanted the Giants job. And there was a other bunch of coaches that were, you know, clamoring to get it because I think they saw the potential in Daniel Jones. By the way, Pete Demolitis informs me that Culpepper had 23 fumbles in 2002. Wow. And David Carr, then a rookie with the Houston Texans, had 21, but they presumably played more than 12 games that year. All right, quickly on the way out, you've got Daniel Jones trying to learn a new offense, new terminology, new verbiage, just like we have with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Your assessment of which one is going to be more difficult to learn, the Jason Garrett Giants offense or the Bruce Arians Buccaneers offense? I would think that the Bruce Arians offense is going to be harder. Jason Garrett's offense is the old North Turner. It's a numeric system right, to where Bruce Arians, here's the same play. One play might be 72 arches, and then in Jason Garrett's offense, it's going to be 525 F post. And the numbers have certain, certain uh, you know, connotations to what route you run. So that is always easier to learn and process uh, because of the number system. You know, the other way, Brady's got to mentally remember a new image or a new picture for that word. Oh, wait, this word means, okay, I got to think. There it is. It's that concept. And that's a little harder to learn at first. It might be better in the long run, but it's certainly a little bit more of a, a tough learning curve. All right, let's take a quick break. The LA Rams finally have their new uniforms, and the other team in LA finally has something to feel good about. We'll show you what the new Rams uniforms look like. You may want to look away when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, 
The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. They arrived without warning on Wednesday morning. The new uniforms for the Los Angeles Rams. As expected from the new logo, the horn has been revolutionized. No longer is it solid. It's got a line. It's got shading. The white now in the uniforms is bone. The blue is Rams Royal. The yellow is Soul, S-O-L. SOL may be the reaction that some Rams fans have generally as an acronym for something else as it relates to the quality of these uniforms. The fans have spoken, Chris, 27,000-plus votes as of last night on Twitter. Do you like the Rams uniforms? And I put yes as the first option. I'm trying to get people to say yes. Still nearly 75% say no. What were your thoughts when you saw the Rams finally pull the sheet off of this new ensemble? Oops, are you there still? Oh, I'm here. Are you there? Oh, no. Chris froze. Chris I, is gone. All okay. right, let me wait, share you there? with you. Good? You can hear me? While we wait for Chris to unfreeze or, uh, or completely thaw out, Eric Dickerson, Rams Hall of Famer, had this to say about the new uniforms. And he started off in a very diplomatic way. He was on Radio 570 AM in LA. I'll say this, the colors are not bad, Dickerson said. If you want to change the colors, make them look brighter. The uniform's not bad. But then Eric Dickerson began to loosen up a little bit. I just don't like the stripe around the sleeves. It's not big enough. It almost looks like a lightning bolt, like the Chargers uniforms. I don't like the stripe down the pants. I wish it was bigger. And then he really teed off Chris Sims, now that you're back with us. And the horn, man, it's horrible. I just really feel like they took away from the Rams uniform. It looks like the Chargers logo. It looks like two bananas, speaking of the horn. And it does show the horn. I hadn't thought of it, but that line makes it look like not a Ram horn, but looks like two bananas on the side of the helmet. This is football. This has nothing to do with surfing. It's nothing to do with waves. This is football. This is a man's sport. And to me, it just looks soft. It don't look like football. It don't look hard. That's Eric Dickerson. So, Chris... Are you influenced by Eric Dickerson in your assessment of these uniforms? What do you think of them? No, I mean, I got great respect by Eric Dickerson, but I don't care what he says as a fashion consultant. I don't. 
Uh, and <laughs> Mike, Mike, I mean, I love these uniforms. I, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what am I missing? I, I don't know. There might be my favorite new uniform that's been unveiled this year. I really think it's a great, clean, like, you know, look that pops. And I think that people are going to like it. I mean, what's not to like about some of those color combinations? I think that's going to sell. You know, young kids, you know, kids in their 20s right now, they like these, like, electric blues and yellows. Look at what sneakers that, that generation's wearing and everything. I think it's going to be a huge hit in L.A., let alone I think it's really a great look. That all-blue look, and now with the matte blue helmet and the soul yellow, and the, all, the bone white, I guess is what they're calling that, I, I really like it. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and hate against it. I think both L.A. teams killed it as far as their new uniform releases. Well, you're in the minority because, and people think that Twitter hates everything. Twitter loved the Chargers' new uniforms and the Buccaneers' new uniforms, by the way. They hated the Falcons' new uniforms, and they hate the Rams' new uniforms. Again, 75%, nearly 75% of more than 27,000 who have voted don't like the uniforms. Let's do a quick tale of the tape of the Rams versus Chargers uniforms. Now, look, you said you like both. Which ones do you like better? Put me in the Chargers camp, and I think the Chargers finally have a big win in L.A. Do you like the Chargers or the Rams better? Oh, I really like the Chargers. I mean, they have all those different looks that are special, too. I, I, I think I like the Rams better. I'm going to give them the edge. I, I know they don't have quite the amount of combinations, um, but I don't know. There's just something about that blue and electric yellow that the, the, the Rams have unveiled that I think looks really cool. You know, you're like that. You're you're like a a dog, and I mean this in a good way. You're like the the, the, <laughs> the latest thing you've seen is the thing you love, right? If the no. Chargers uniforms that had been unveiled yesterday and the Rams last month, you'd say you like the Chargers better. That's how you are. I've been around you long enough to know you're influenced by what you've seen most recently. That's bullcrap. I am not, and you know, I I just I think both of these teams did a really good job. I do, um, but. No, I don't know. You know, I just I think it's the Rams, first of all, are one of those teams where I just look at and go, yes, there's tradition there. But it's not like it's the Bears or the Packers or, you know, some of the uh, the Dallas Cowboys were the Raiders where you just go. There's such a tradition in that uniform that I don't want to ever see them out of that. No, there's not that tradition with L.A. If there was, they wouldn't have moved to three different cities. Okay, so that's the first thing to tell you that. Plus, they're in L.A. They got a young head coach, a young football team. And I like the simplicity of the uniform with a little bit of an edge to it. And I think they're one of those teams and both of these teams that can pull it off. But yeah, I don't know. I, I really I, I don't know what what's I just don't understand the the hate against the Rams new unis. I, I really don't know what there is to hate about it. I really think the problem is the bastardization of the horn. The horn is a classic part of that uniform. The horn was the first NFL helmet logo, helmet effect, something other than just a solid helmet back in 1948. You don't mess with the solid yellow or white or gold horn. And people were upset 20 years ago when they went with the gold horn, but at least it was a continuous horn. This effort to make it look 3D or shaded or whatever, the Vikings did that back in 2006 with their helmet, and I never liked it and I never will. Just keep it the way it always was. And whatever color you choose for the horn, I think the problem is that the, the hardcore Rams fans out there want that horn 
to be continuous. They want it to be one solid color. And I think that is what has rankled a lot of people. And as Eric Dickerson said, and I hadn't noticed this, it does look like two bananas laying end to end with that line through the horn, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I think we're stretching it a little bit. Um, but but OK, that that's fine. I All think right. when people see it out on the that's field fine. on Sunday, they're going to change it when they run out in the field on Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys on NBC. People are going to go, damn, look at that uniform. It pops on TV. Mission accomplished. The Rams will be sending you a jersey. They'll be sending you a helmet, and they'll be sending me uh, nothing at all. I'll, I'll wait for Don't the Chargers gear to show up here. All right. Um, more importantly, and, and look, how you play in the uniforms is going to influence dramatically whether the uniforms look good or not good. If the Rams are like they were a couple of years ago, all of a sudden those uniforms are going to look pretty good to Rams fans. Who's got the brighter future in their new uniforms? Jared Goff with the Rams or Justin Herbert with the Chargers? Well, yeah, I mean, Jared Goff, of course, has had a very good start to his career. Um, as you know, Mike, I, I've never been a just an absolute blown away huge fan by Jared Goff's talent. Justin Herbert, to me, has superstar potential. You know, again, he's got to get in the NFL and play and, you know, they got to support him the right way, just like the Rams supported Jared Goff, but I think ultimately, hey, I, in my draft process this year, you heard me say it. I'm not so her sure Herbert doesn't have the most potential or the highest ceiling at any of the quarterbacks that were drafted. We'll see how it goes, but when you're that big and your arm's that strong and you can run that way, you got a chance to be a really, really special player in the NFL. Who's got the better coaching staff between the two teams, Chris? Who's Because, look, we just said no-brainer Sean McVay a year ago, but, you know, as you've said, they're catching up with the Sean McVay offense. Which team's got the better top-to-bottom staff? Yeah, it's, it's, it's close. It really is, you know. And, and, you know, with Wade Phillips not being with the Rams anymore, I think that, you know, even closes the gap a little bit more. But I'm still going to go with the Rams there. I am. You know, and, and Sean McVay kind of being the tiebreaker. One, I think Sean McVay, like we talked about, is going to reinvent himself. I think that's probably a big reason we didn't see their staff at the combine and things like that because they were going to stay back there and experiment and start putting new things and, and have new wrinkles within their offense. Um, so, you know, both, both coaching staffs pretty damn good, but I'm going to give the Rams the edge right now because of McVay, the offensive line coach, Joe Barry, who I know there, uh, you know, and of course their success recently. All right. Who's got the better chance of leading their division come November, the Rams in the division that has the 49ers or the chargers in the division that has the chiefs. Wow. I, I mean, I, I don't even know where to go there. I, you know, I guess I'm going to take the Rams there just because I don't think the chargers are going to be able to, supplant the Chiefs right now and as much as the NFC West is amazing I mean what do you think I just I you know the NFC West is amazing I still not counting the Rams out I still look at the roster and McVay and everything and go they they could be a pain in the butt in the NFC West I think it's the Rams just because of the Chiefs if the Rams were in the AFC West and the Chargers were in the NFC West I'd say the Chargers I just think yeah, the okay. Chiefs are going to continue to dominate that division regardless of who else is in it and yeah, it's not going to be easy for the Rams and they may end up in the basement this year. I think they have to worry about the Cardinals catching them. Look, the worst thing that could have happened to Sean McVay was to be so good so early and so young as a coach because now reality sets in and when you set for yourself 
a bar that all of a sudden you can't match, people start wondering what the hell happened to Sean McVay. And you're not being compared to other coaches. You're being compared to yourself from two years ago. That's a tough one for McVay to process, and he's going to have to, as you said, reinvent himself in order to get back to where we perceived him to be a couple of years ago. All right, here's a good one. Would you rather coach a defense in L.A. with Aaron Donald on your front line, or would you rather have the other L.A. defense with Joey Bosa on the edge and Derwin James on the last line of defense? Ooh, man. That is, I mean, so are we just counting those two players? Or are we taking like the just whole front two. seven? Those two players. Okay. Aaron Donald. I'm going to take Aaron, Aaron Donald. Donald. I'm, All right. Yeah. I'm going to take Aaron Donald. Because, you know, Joey Bosa and Derwin James, we both know are amazing. Aaron Donald is right on. I mean, he's, he's right now looking like he's going to be in the conversation for one of the greatest defensive players to ever play in the history of the NFL. I mean, so to me, that's just special. You know, it really is. I mean, he's. You know, Warren Sapp, Lawrence Taylor, whatever you want to talk about, difference-making front seven type players. Aaron Donald, like we've seen so many players talk about him, he changes the way teams have to play the Rams because he's such a special talent. All those teams that passed on Aaron Donald in 2014. What do you say? Are you going Donald too? I'll take Donald. I'll take Donald. Because, look, Joey Bosa's been banged up from time to time in his career, and Derwin James was injured last year, and we've yet to see his full potential. I'd rather go all eggs in the Aaron Donald basket because you're right. He's one of the all-time greats. And, look, of all the bad decisions the Rams have made in recent years, and they've made plenty of them, especially when it comes to giving out contracts, the Aaron Donald deal is the one that they got right. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the Chargers' former quarterback has a new home, and he has a new top receiver who wants to be an all-pro all over again. We'll talk some Colts when PFT Live continues right after this. I think I think it could be special. You know, I feel like um, the way I'm training, the way I'm doing, the way my body feels, and, and you know, Philip doing this thing, you know, I feel like this can be an all-pro year for me. T.Y. Hilton, who joined the Indianapolis Colts back in 2012, the year they added Andrew Luck, has a new quarterback in town in Phillip Rivers, regardless of who the quarterback is, and surely it helps to have Phillip Rivers as opposed to Jacoby Brissett. Do we still see all-pro capability with a guy like T.Y. Hilton, who is getting deeper and deeper into his NFL career, Chris? I I, I do, yeah. I I mean, you know, when you see T.Y. Hilton healthy – Uh, he can still fly and make plays down the field, let alone make plays after the catch. So he does have special ability. Now, the last two years, the injury bugs hit him a little bit, and that's been a little bit of a concern. But I think, you know, if he can stay playing all 16 games and somewhat close to 100%, you know, again, I think he can be one of the more dangerous wide receivers in all of football, especially with that O-line, the creative pass game they have, and Rivers' aggressive nature in the pocket to push the ball down the field. What do you think uh, overall of the weapons around Phillip Rivers and also that will complement T.Y. Hilton? How do we assess them, especially post-draft, where they've invested uh, uh, multiple high picks in making that offense better? Yeah, well, I I think, you know, the running game, right? We saw that with the running back uh, in in Taylor from Wisconsin. But, But, you know, Zach Pascal, good receiver. Getting Michael Pittman Jr. at the top of the second round. Huge pick for them. He'll contribute right away. The big one is their second-round pick from last year, Mike, Paris Campbell. He's got to be a big contributor. Guy I love coming out of Ohio State, has big-time speed and big play ability. If they could get him, 
you know, healthy and brought up to speed in the offense and all those things. Uh, I think this Colts offense could could scare some people this year with the weapons they have available for Rivers. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I just worry about Rivers. I just I see I I just remember the seven interceptions in back-to-back primetime games last year and I can't get that out of my head and I know that it can be very different this year and they built the wall. The wall in Indianapolis. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm going to be skeptical until then, but uh, I guess they could have done worse at the quarterback position. All right, let's take a break. Uh, coming up, you're going to hear a little from Al Michaels earlier this week on Lunch Talk Live. And then we're going to answer some questions from the PFTP and Posse and or the Chris Sims Unbuttoned Homies. We'll do that coming up top of next hour. More PFT Live coming at you right after this. Week 7, Las Vegas. Did you ever think you'd be opening an NFL broadcast in Sin City? No, I didn't. But, you know... It's, it's a funny thing about Las Vegas. Everybody said, oh, no, we, we can never move a team there because of the gambling issue. Obviously, that's all changed right now. Hockey's been tremendously successful in Las Vegas. The Golden Knights, are you know, they're, they're a real deal there. I had a chance to go to a game in, in February. It's a, special, it's a special thing in Las Vegas. And that's really saying something because Vegas has a few special things. Uh, and I think that uh, the Raiders are going to do extremely well. Not only fans coming in and making a trip out of it to, you know, watch their team or, or just be in town and want to go to an NFL game. Vegas has a lot of transplants from all over the country. and They will embrace this team. And the Raiders are a brand. And the Raiders will do extremely well. There's no question about that. And again, we just hope, Rebecca, that, uh, you know, when they open up that stadium, they can put some uh, butts in seats. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.